Hey, everybody. Welcome to Hope Solo Speaks. Man, today I have a treat for you. Perhaps you haven't heard from this player in some time. She doesn't do too many interviews. She doesn't speak publicly very often. In my opinion, she should be doing so much more in our soccer community, but sometimes the love of the game remains in one's heart and not part of one's daily work. I am so excited because she is one of the best all-time players in history within the United States and worldwide. And now for the first time, we get to hear her thoughts on the 2022 World Cup. Anyone have any guesses? Please welcome the one and only Michelle Akers. I am I'm so excited. Um, of course, one of the greatest goalkeepers in the world, right? Um, also, Northwest peeps, shout out. Woo-hoo, Washington State natives, right? Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, fa- like I said, a fan of your podcast and all the work you do. And, and of course, you're on a farm. So, Hope, we got a lot in common there. We do. And, you know, sometimes I feel like I know you better than I actually really do. And I think it's because of those uh, those common factors of being from Washington State of being outdoorsy and getting our hands dirty, you know, on the daily um, and really having like a, a healthy respect for nature and the farm life and animals. And and so I feel like we're kindred spirits a lot, um, but I also have to, to bring you back to the day or many days, I guess, where you actually helped train me at the university University of Washington. Do you remember those days? Yes, I do. I was just thinking about that with uh, Gallimore and and Amy and uh, on the turf. It was on the turf. Yep, in Dempsey, um, the indoor field at the University of Washington. And you happen to be really good friends with my college coaches. So again, that's something we have in common. And you were a staple on the women's national team at the time where I just was beginning to come on. And I got to train with the best goal scorer in the world. You were ripping shots at me from a young age. And I was like, you know what? Hell yeah. I'm training with the one and only Michelle Akers. Well, it's so funny because Gallimore and Amy were like, hey, do us a favor and um, do some shooting on Hope. Uh, because she needs to know what it's like to uh, have some go in the back of the net. And I was like, oh, God, I hope. I hope I'll score. <laughs> Isn't that funny? You even no, ran fitness I was like, with damn me. It, Hope, damn it. I can't like you. It was obvious you were going to, you know, be a superstar. Man, but you were a trooper because you were you were running fitness with me and you didn't have to do that. But you you pushed me. It was awesome. I feel very, very blessed and lucky. That's an honor. I mean, that fitness to me is like uh that was one of my favorite things about national team um, was the fitness. Cause it was so hard, but it was also um, like so bonding and also you're investing in each other. Uh, I ran next to Christine Lilly and uh, we, we would always talk shit to each other um, before, <laughs> like you're slow, I'm fast. And she would beat me on the turns and then I could catch her with my longer legs. Um but it, it's an investment into who we are and who we want to be. And it's freaking hard. So um, I, I loved that. And I, that's one of my favorite things more than um, being able to shoot on goal uh, with you. One of my uh, first camps, there was a bunch of us in Florida and we had to partner up 
and run fitness. And you asked to be my partner, I think because you felt like, you know, you could take care of me, the Washington native, you trained me back in Seattle. And I partnered with you on one of the first uh, fitness sessions that I had with the national team. And you cheered me on, you inspired. To this day, I can't believe it. It was so awesome. So that's good. Those were the good memories. Yeah, good stories. Thanks for sharing that. Of course. All right. So you honestly, you don't seem to talk about soccer that much anymore. Um, I personally think it's time to get your story, your insight, your expertise to be more involved in the game. I'm waiting for your second book to come out. (laughs) I hope you get that book one day. We will. Um, But you told me that you have a a beautiful tradition of sharing the World Cup, especially with your son, Cody. Can Mm -hmm. you tell us what the World Cup means to you and your family? Okay. So I, you know, I don't watch a lot of sports. Uh, We watch the Bills uh, because Cody's a big fan uh, and they're doing well this year. And we like the Buffalo logo. Um, so we watch that. We watch that. I watch um, some some of the uh, U.S. games, uh, the important games. Like I'm one of those people who watches only uh, the, the finals and when it counts the most. Otherwise, I, I'm outside doing stuff. Um, so this will the World Cup. Every game counts and I just, I love, love, love watching the World Cup. And Cody isn't, a, he doesn't watch sports either. Um, and he doesn't even really like soccer, but this is something like we look forward to. And so the, the games are on throughout the day. And um, I, I don't really ever watch a whole game. I come in and out, um, except for the US and, and the finals. But um, so he and I, we sit there and we have the Spanish channel uh, on. So we watch it in Spanish. I, I like, I like the emotion of the uh, broadcasters and even though I don't speak Spanish. So uh, anyway, that, that is part of it. And, and we always root for the U S of course, uh, you know, down to the final minute. And then we always pick uh, a, a team that hasn't ever like won or hasn't done necessarily well. And we root for that underdog. Uh, so, um, I don't know, in a one year for us, it was Iceland. And, uh, so I, it's, it's just, um, there's something about it that's super special and, um, I don't know, help. It, it's a celebration, right. And the crowd, the fans are amazing. Oh my gosh. Hope the, the U S game, when the, that stadium, they were cheering USA so loud. It was giving me goosebumps it was giving me goosebumps like I was almost in tears because it was so that was just so amazing and then overwhelming because you know I I think about that being on the field what what that was like um to hear that USA but then for our guys to be there um in that atmosphere and being celebrated in the hardest game of their life up till that moment is uh pretty pretty cool to watch Well, of course, it's very meaningful, you know, the atmosphere, like you said, and putting ourselves back in that moment and what it was like for us. But what did you actually think of how the men's team played in their huge tie versus Wales, of course? Yes, Uh, the tie. Uh, I know it it feels like a loss. Um, Definitely feels like a loss and not not just to them, but I think to a lot, a lot. Right. A lot of people our country. Um, 
it for me, we haven't been the guys haven't been in a World Cup for a while. I mean, it's eight, eight years. It's a long time to be away from that standard, from that intensity. Um, and we it's vital as a player um, and as a, a, a program, a team, a culture to be in that environment as often as possible. And so it showed that um, we haven't been. Uh, so in part, it, um, you know, it exposed our um, lack of and but it, it also, to me, looking at the other side of it showed that, wow, we haven't been in a World Cup in eight years. And yet we we did pretty well, like our, you know, it was a good opening game, I thought for us, uh, the first half we showed um, potential, right. And um, then the second half, we fell apart. And um, for lots of reasons, but for mostly, I think it's, um, it was disappointing because you want to see your Americans win. You want, I want to see the team do well and I'm, I'm cheering for them, but at the same time, it's a building we're building on, on something. And I, that, so that's my perspective. I think that's a good sense that a lot of people have is that they're building. It's the first time where we actually feel like we're making the right moves forward. We're taking strides. We're, yes. um, increasing our potential to play at the biggest stages and to go into the next rounds. I thought this American side, it was the best soccer on the men's side that I have ever seen them play in a world cup. Yeah. And of course, you know, like you said, there were trouble, lots of troubles in the second half, but one of the main thing for me was Greg Berhalter. Uh, everything changed with Welsh's one sub. They put a tall forward up front to try and break the line and it worked. And Burhalter really didn't do anything to counteract that in terms of his tactics, which will be really important when they play England on yes. Friday. England is, I think, have shown to be the best attacking team in the entire tournament, along with France. Um, so really that tactical side, that falls on on the manager, on the coach. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you, but, but, but with that being said, I think this team showed a lot of promise. They were aggressive. They didn't sit back. Um, they dominated for long periods of the game. They're a young team. I thought they actually played yes. a, a fast speed of play, which I haven't seen in a very long time. They, they weren't on their heels. Um, and I really think that this is a group that our country can rally behind for the first time. You know, yes. like you said, we haven't been in the World Absolutely. Cup for eight years and, and we're showing promise. There is some promise yeah. here. It feels different. The, the, um, you know, when you watch, when I watch these, these other teams play, um, like for the, with the first half, yes. And agree. We, we had possession and, uh, we, we, we were aggressive up to a point, but I felt like if we, we needed to be in the seams more, this more quickly. Like if you want to watch the, uh, the rest of the teams, there's always someone, two, three people for options. And, for our guys, they we were either late or just too spread out, and there was only one run to show. We were and we were slow, kind of facing up. But at the same time, you know, you in order to to play at that level, you have to be in that level. So you know, when I was constantly looking at it and 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 two two views, two you know screens was yeah, but we're attacking. But we're in their half. And the, yes, they did uh, play a low pressure game and, you know, inviting the U.S. to come in. And but to watch, um, I think to watch us evolve into that and, um, all, you know, the coaches decisions, 
yes, I, I, you know, I saw there was a lot of um, feedback on, on his response to their, their sub. Um, and, and he hasn't had world cup experience. Right. True, true. I, so I don't know. I, I agree also with everything, everything you're saying uh, that, and that playing against England, what a chance because England no so strong. And what, so what is our response? This is my favorite part is what is our response from um, the the loss, which was, you know, a tie, but it was also a win for us. Um, and how, how do, how we'll respond to, uh, to that against a strong team like England? Well, it could inspire the entire nation if yes. they get this game right, which yes. this potential is huge. huge. And I hope they feel and embrace that pressure. Exciting. It's yeah, exciting. but you know, our, our style of play has never been tiki-taka football. It's never been numbers around the ball. So you're not going to see that. Like you see, I just watched a little bit of the Japan-Germany game. Um, I was on air, so I couldn't watch all of it. And it looked fantastic. So I can't wait to go back and watch that. But even with Japan, you see numbers all around the ball. And that's just never our, our style. And I don't quite understand why, because that's supposed to be the perfect style of play. That's the Spains of the world, the Italy's of the world, the Argentinas of the world, even though Argentina had a very poor showing, um, getting defeated by Saudi Arabia. That's unbelievable. So you say you pick your, your um, underdog team. Who's your underdog team of the Yeah. Tournament? So Cody and I haven't picked it yet. Uh, Cause we, we were talking about it, but it kind of has to be like an, a visceral thing, you know, to, to watch. And we, so, but, um, you know, Croatia, I think is one of those, um, that I, he, cause he was like, is Croatia in who's Croatia playing? And so we, we have to, I haven't watched them yet. I, so I'm excited. I've been out doing, uh, horse chores, too many horse chores. <laughs> um, they so, will keep you busy. Yeah. So I, I think though it, it, it might be Croatia. But that's still uh, to be determined. So we will okay. see. That our number one team is USA. Let's just say that. Of course. I, you know, I'm going for Portugal as well. I really want to see yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo uh, just have a good World Cup. And he always does. He knows how to step up. He's a winner. I, I have so many questions to ask you because you obviously know how to win games. You can put the team on your back. That was historically what you did. You're one of the, you are, you were the face of the team when the, fa when, uh, the women's national team first started. You were the very yeah. first face of the team. You played in two World Cups, I believe. You were actually three World Cups I played in. I thought so. Yeah. So, but, but the first one was 91. Yeah, 91, okay. 95. I got injured in the first game and came back uh, to play in the semifinal against Norway. We lost. Um, we came in third in that World Cup and then the 99 World Cup. So, you know what yeah. it takes to win a World Cup. Now, I want to know the perfect recipe in your opinion, because we just talked about Burhalter and his decision. So you have to have a good manager. You have to have a good coach. Sometimes you don't have to have a good coach. You know, sometimes the players get it done. So is it the stars of the team or is it the, the team environment and how well the team plays it? What is your perfect recipe to a winning World Cup team? Well, I, I'm interested to hear yours too. Um, so let's Let's not forget, because I, I really am interested. Um, so for me, I, I think it's a, it's a combination of things. And, you know, in 2019, when the women, we, you know, they did poorly at the beginning. Um, and I was like, oh, my gosh, wait, was that? Yeah, that was a 2009. No, 
I can't remember which which World Cup. They started off slow and then they won. They ended up winning. Um, that was that was um, in two thousand and eight Olympics in China. We lost our opening match. It was yeah. it was kind of a mistake on my part. You know, I came out to punch the ball, hit a hit my own. My defender was going up to win the ball too. We both get down on the ground. Ball goes in the net. She's concussed. She was one of our best defenders, Lori Kolepny. Yeah. And she's out for two games. It was horrible. And we lost our opening match. Of the, and we went on to win it, like you said. Yeah. So I, I you know, uh, it, I, and I think sometimes losing that opening match actually propels you into a, a, a higher level, like of intensity and focus uh, and, and mentality. So, to answer your question, I think it's a combination of things. And I think it's a combination of results. I, I think it, it also, who, who, who your team is at the core, the culture of that team, the core, you know, there is a, uh, a culture of winning. There is a culture of belief that goes beyond uh, the surrounding circumstances or opportunities. And so that, I think that base has to be there with the magic. Uh, um, so the, the, those one or two players that get, you know, push you over the top, push, can push the team over the top in those crucial moments or who inspire uh, the team when it's down by doing something amazing uh, and, and, and on another level. Um, but I, in the end though, I think, it, that it's the team culture. It's that it's the group with the magic that 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 creates the mentality to be the best in the world. Uh, so you know, watching all the U.S. women's uh, teams over the years, that's that's the common denominator to me uh, is that mentality that and that the the one player who rises above, who like Abby Wambach, you know one time against Brazil, I'll never forget. She's like, give me the ball. And <laughs> Rapino finds her on her head and, and like, who does that? That's, that's a world champion that, that it comes from that world world cup world champion, best on the planet mentality that is layered and layered and layered for years for world cups. That's what we're excited about for our men's team and um, developing, right? Well, that, that culture that you're talking about that's embedded into the fabric of the U.S. Women's National Team really started because of your era of players. I mean, it was drilled into us when we got on the team. Um, I tell this story a lot, but it was a residency camp in in 2000 or 1999 residency at Chula Vista. Um, I think it was going into the 2000 Olympics residency camp. So we were having a scrimmage and uh, I happened to be on Mia Han's team at the time. I get the ball, I run up to the top of the box and I punt it to her up front for a quick counterattack. But how quick can it be when you punt and the ball goes straight up? <laughs> Nobody knew of a drop kick at that time. So yeah. I, I, I still think that she's going to trap the ball, try to control it. She stops in her tracks during the scrimmage, runs down to the end of the field and says, you better learn how to fucking drop kick before you ever give a ball like that to me again. And I was in shock. This is Mia Ham. I'm like, I think yeah. I'm 17 years old. 
you know, yeah. and I I'd run up and I I punt. And every day after that, I worked on my drop kick and I became one of the best distributors in the yeah. game because of her expectations of me. And you guys set that culture. Um, there's a lot. I, yeah. You know, we can talk about other. That's your response. Culture. Your response, though, was it could have been many different responses. It could have been, you know, F you or it could have been <laughs> like, um, you know, oh, my gosh, you know, and then it's a drop in confidence and you're like done with that. And you never punt again, right? But you that's you came in with that um that willingness to uh do whatever it took to be your best, which then makes us the team their best. And every single thing you do, um, and you know, Mia is a is a champion, uh, right? Um and her her actions are um are, you know follow that. Um, so, and you, you worked your ass off to be the best. So that, I, I don't know, to me, it, it, the response of, of it is as important as the culture or, or the opportunity you, you step into. Um, but, and yeah, hope totally at my, my inspiration and, and the DNA that started, this was that 1985 team, that first ever women's national team. And for me, it was Emily Pickering. Uh, she was our captain at the time. She played for UNC. She's just a badass man. She was mean too. And, <laughs> but a great, great leader, um, because she demanded everyone do their best. Uh, and, and, and she said it up front. She wasn't well liked a lot of times, but I, I loved her and that, that team. And, and there's many other players on that first team that set the standard, uh, and scared the shit out of me. Um, <laughs> I'm glad I wasn't the only one. My best. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, I think that perfect recipe is really a lot of it can't be coached though. It's yes, you yeah. create that culture, but you have to have that innately in you, that desire to win at yeah. any cost that not every player has it. And you know, as I played a couple more generations than you, I, it started to, to make me sad because people still want to compete and win, but they don't, they won't do whatever it takes. Meaning the level at training sessions would drop. Some people would say, Hey, why do I have to play defense? It's just a training session. Why do I have to get in for this tackle? It's just a training session. Why do I have to go up and try and bump heads to clear this corner out? You know, I don't want to get hurt right now. So I really saw it start to curtailed back. And I think that has to do well, a lot of different things. It could be coaching. It could be the new era of player. It could be the mental health issues and people, you know, needing to take breaks. It could be the science behind training, you know, heart rate monitors and right. players not wanting to get right. up as high. So it, it is a whole different kind of culture now, but it still has that um, expectation to win at any cost, but it's peppered with players who don't have that innate desire. Um, so for me, the perfect recipe is having the right amount of players with that innate desire to win. Yeah. Um, along with selflessness, because I do think yes. there's a lot of selfishness in a lot of players these days. Um, and you know, that's one thing people will say about me is I might have been an asshole on the field, meaning get your ass back on defense <laughs> now, Megan Rapino. I don't care if you're mad yeah. at me for calling you out. But nobody will ever say that I wasn't there to help our team win. And yeah. nobody will ever say that I didn't make every player around me better. So I am very proud about that, even though um, I could have been looked at as an asshole, too. We just wanted to win for our country. Yeah, I, I mean, I 
I remember uh, Carla Overbeck, right? She <laughs> she was one of the greatest captains uh, ever, greatest leaders. Um, tough man, but I, I remember her. I was injured a, a lot, and I'd be, I, you know, I, my job was Michelle Akers get get in the box, win every head ball, shoot to score, uh, <laughs> distribute the ball, play make, and now get back and and mark that they're they're their toughest defender, win the punt off the goalkeeper and then get back. So my, and I was like half injured all the time. And so I remember one time, uh, many times, Carl Overbeck, Overbeck would be like, Hey guys, get back here. We need you. And I, I was like, Oh my gosh, Car- you know, Carla needs me. Oh, and you know, and so you're right. That selflessness, but also that, that, that leadership, the demand we, we need that from, from our players and some players are I think more born for that um and um but I know I responded I responded to that uh I I loved uh leaders like that because they they called you out in the moment and you it it showed who you were in in your response Uh, and you had a choice to rise to the occasion or not totally did I love those moments and I never, ever berated players for honest mistakes. It was those mistakes right. that were mental lapse in, in judgment because I turned off mentally or um, or they just chose not to run back on defense or get in position. They're just being a little bit lazy. Those are the mistakes um, that I would really lay into. If it was a physical mistake, those happens in the game. They happen all the time. Yeah. Um, what I say on this men's team, I don't see somebody that's cutthroat. You know, you were a box to bar, yeah. box to box midfielder. You were hardworking. You were selfless, as we just talked about. Um, you're great in the air. You were tough as shit. You got in for tackles. You had one of the best shots I have ever seen to this day. Um, so when you actually watch the games and you watch this men's team, I don't really see somebody who's just wearing their heart on their sleeve, going in hard for tackles, winning every air ball, doing what it takes. But it is a different style of play, I guess. Um what what is your favorite type of player? Would it be that hardworking midfielder, box to box player who does what it takes? Yeah, I think for me, the my favorites, it's uh, it's those gritty players that do like Julie Ertz. I loved watching her. <laughs> um, uh, I I love those gritty players that are hard, that consistent. Uh, um. They are uh, leaders because they're leaders, but they're not uh, the the one who's out out front. But they they are in that um, you know that tight. There's like five or six players that usually the core there that run the team um, from within, and they're one of those players that whose influence is is mighty. Uh, their presence is mighty, um, and they're just and they sacrifice themselves and and. and do whatever it takes, but they're not celebrated to the high degree of the, the goal scorers perhaps, uh, or the great saves by the goalkeepers. But, um, so that, that is one of my favorite players. Christine Lilly was, was one, well, she was my favorite. Who's your favorite player on the men's side? So it's, it's, it's Pulisic. I, I like, I, and he is, so he's, he kind of goes against that. What I just said, he does, but, <laughs> but he doesn't, um, in the fact that he's you know, playing, uh, overseas and, and, and he is doing that grit gutty, 
work every single day and not necessarily starting, you know, he, he wasn't, mm -hmm. wasn't starting for a while. He was, he had to earn his way. So he is that kind of player. Um, but, but, and right now he has to transition into, you, you know, like the, the, the bigger leader on how, how do you orchestrate the team around your talent and knowledge and that mentality that you've, you've become to, you've become by playing in these other leagues that are, you know, head and shoulders above uh, where, where we are right now in the state. So, um, so he, he never complains. He takes responsibility for his, for mistakes. He, he celebrates when he does well. Um, so, and, and he, he, he works his ass off. Uh, so um, I, I, I love him as a player. He can run for days. He is definitely the yeah. engine of the team. I don't see him being that physical prowess, um, you know, in terms of the type of midfielders that I would think that you would you would really enjoy and, and respect or great in the air and things like that. But for me, I think the unsung hero on this U.S. team, and I hope, you know, obviously it's only been one game, um, but the captain, the youngest captain on this American side, Tyler Adams, yeah. has been superb in the midfield. You yeah. talk about selfless player, to me, that's Tyler Adams. And, you know, there's so much great young talent. Um, obviously, Tim Weah getting that incredible goal. Weston McKenney, there is great talent on the on the U.S. team. But when you talk about overall great talent, you know, I think of somebody like Mbappe. I mean, well, yeah, unbelievable, unbelievable. And I just don't think we quite have a player. Um, Not yet. That is, yeah, that you can compare to the likes of Lionel Messi and Ronaldo and Mbappe. Who's your favorite out of the top worldwide players? Are you a Messi fan? I know I am. I, I so am. Um, How? he's just classy. <laughs> he's classy. He's consistent. He's, I don't, he, he's, he's, um, gets the job done. He's magical. Um, does he get the job done for Argentina though? Does he know, step up in the biggest moments of the world cup stage? No, that's what, what drives me crazy. I'm still trying to figure out what happened, uh, there, but I, I actually, I love that they didn't win. Because it, I mean, this World Cup is full of, it's always full of surprises. And to have that happen, I, I was like, oh my gosh, they're going to win. Because I, I love what it does for the team that beats an Argentina. At what, so what's going to happen next uh, for that team? Because they, their confidence has just risen. You know, a lot of times the confidence is what the, the separation of a win or a loss is, right? So I, I, I love Messi. How can you not? Well, I don't love Messi. And I think I might be the only soccer person who doesn't. And I it's know. because, you know, people who are cut from, you know, the cloth that we're cut from, we like winners. And I want players to show up at every level, at every stage, not just for club, but for country as well. And yeah. it is, I'm waiting to be shown differently. And I think after losing to Saudi Arabia, um, this is a chance for the world to see what Messi is really made of. Yeah. So this is a huge opportunity for him. And I hope he does well. I really do. Um, I don't cheer against him. I just always want to see more from him. Um, Saudi Arabia pulled off one of the biggest shocks, World Cup shocks um, yes. ever. And they came from behind to beat Argentina two to win. Messi did score. He converted a penalty kick. Yeah. Um, but I, you're right. This is why we love the beautiful game is because any team can win. And I think that's what's incredible about the game that we love is you got Lionel Messi and you got Argentina and you got the favorites of the World Cup and you have Saudi Arabia beating them on any given day. And that is why it is so hard 
to go forward and actually win a World Cup. You don't have a lot of room for error. Yes, we lost that first opening game in 2008. It made a difficult road for us, as it certainly will do with Argentina losing their first game. But it's possible, and I think this is why we love sports, is on any given day, any team can win, and America can be England this Friday. Yes, absolutely. I'm I'm a full believer in that. And you got to show up. That you ha- you got to play the game, right? You got to play. That's why it, you're so right. Such that's why it's so exciting. These World Cups and having these matchups that you think are no brainers, they're but they're not. Exciting. So maybe Saudi Arabia can be your underdog team. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> Actually, you know, and Canada. I'm so excited to see Canada play. Oh, I am too. I know. Yes, yes, I am too. We were Cody and I were talking about that. Too. And you, so. you want to talk about a tactician, John Herdman, the manager for Canada who came yes. from the women's side. I knew him quite yes. well on the women's side. We love to hate him, but we also hated that we loved him because he he knew how to get in our heads. He knew how to get into our coaches' heads. He'd be on the sideline talking shit. He'd be managing the game. He'd be, you know, this incredible tactician and inspirational coach. Every player I've ever spoken to who's played for him, they love him. So I don't know if this guy is the magic of Canada or the hero of Canada, the the man behind the scenes, or maybe he's in, you know, he's the leader of the team, but he's not on the pitch. So anything can happen with this Canada team. And I find myself once again, cheering for John Erdman. Yeah. I mean, with him, with the, the Canadian women, he, he brought them to the level that, you know, they, they were beating us. So in the old days, when I played, it was like, okay, we're playing Canada. We hate, we hated them because they were <laughs> competitors. They beat, beat the crap out of you on the field. Um, but we knew we were going to win. Uh, and we just had to get through that initial to, to open up the doors of goals being scored. But no, he changed that mentality. He changed that for them and they responded. And now, now he's with the men. And so I, I, yeah, it's, it's going to be a great game. Great story for them. Oh, goodness, Michelle. It's so great to talk soccer with you. I've, I've been a little sad that you're not more involved in the game because you're one of the greatest players. You are, in my opinion, the greatest women's player. Um, not even on the women's side. You're the greatest U.S. soccer player ever. Um, you know, globally, world best as well. So you're you have such an incredible, incredible mind for the game. And obviously you had the talent and you you had the mentality. And yet I don't feel like you're passing that on. Not that you have to, not, but I just feel sad for all those young players um, who don't get to see you in the game. I'm sad for myself that I don't get to see you in the game. Do you have any plans to get back involved? Are you training kids? What are you doing? How I'm not right now. Um, Transitioning. I was, you know, I, I, I had the opportunity to get involved, uh, and, and I took it. And uh, so now I'm transitioning into what is our next, what is my next step? What, what, um, I know what, what's next for me? Is it, is it being involved in soccer or is it, you know, time to, to move on? I'm, I'm not quite sure. I honestly, though, I, I would love to be involved and finding the, the right role for that, finding, um, the team, um, not necessarily, you know, a, a side, but, um, a group of people who have kind of a similar mentality, uh, and, um, want to do something big because it's for me, it's bigger than just 
soccer. It's it's uh, building into people's lives and and um, empowering. Uh, so there, I don't know, Hope, but th- thanks for saying. I I I've got to explore. I've got to explore some um, options, and we'll see what happens. Well, I think what's incredible, and I've always respected this about you as well, is that you kind of walked away from the game and you didn't make it about yourself when the new generation of players came on. Um, you had a passion outside of soccer and obviously with your ranch and your horses and you, you do incredible work. So I don't think everybody always has to go back into the game. And I think that's a beautiful thing because we can maintain that love yeah. for soccer, um, keep it in our you know history a little bit, always bring up those beautiful memories but not make it a daily work job where you tend not to like it. And like you said, it has to be perfect circumstances to get back into a good group of people. Um, So maybe just throwing this out here, maybe you and I should be starting our own NWSL team. Wow, (laughs) I'm going to think about that. Or some striker goalkeeper camps. I mean, there's a lot of directions we can go. There is. And (laughs) no, yeah. Yeah. I, okay. I'm going to think about that. I'm going to take you up on that. Um, but hope it's, you know, retiring, it's such a, um, you you know, Carly just retired, uh, Ashlyn just retired. I mean, there it's, it's a big, it's a big step. And yet for me, I, you know, after 15 years on that team, um, which I, I loved every moment of it. I loved it. Uh, I, I didn't, uh, look back, you know, I didn't even have a soccer ball on my property, ever, <laughs> um, except for my dogs, you know, there was a flat one somewhere for them. Uh, and I, and I was so excited to get into the horses and, and, uh, and do that. And I have, that's what I've been doing you know, with the rescue work and, and so forth and the animals. And then I became a mom, um, which is, has been the best thing ever. Um, you know, and so, uh, but celebrating that team, I, I, I will always feel like uh, part of me is out there. And um, and so I will always live and breathe that team. So when we do well, I I, I am I want to celebrate everybody. And, and when we don't do well, I, I want to figure out a way to help us do well. You know, I like we it, it's part of me out there. So um, I and I and I do I. I love um, connecting with, you know, our U.S. players. And so that being on your on the podcast and reconnecting and talking about the things we have in common. But, you know, one of the, the big things is that is is our is our U.S. team. I mean, you helped build that team. You are one of the reasons we are so good, you, you know, because of you, because of people, players like you. Um, so I, for me, it's important for us to stay connected and um to, and to uh, share share um, our our legacy, that U.S. legacy, and also our individual talents and perspectives. So I, anyway, um, so I'm I'm so excited for you and everything you have going on, and happy to be a part of of, of this great podcast. Thank you so much. Well, I want to have you on again. I have so much to pick your brain about. I really hope that I can see you on a future episode. Do, um, do you have a nonprofit? Where can yeah, people help thanks. raise money for the horses? It's um, Michelle Akers Horse Rescue, and it's a very creative name. And <laughs> uh, it's a 501c3, and uh, I'm on uh, the social media. I have a website, michelleakers.org. Uh, you can donate through PayPal or Venmo. Um, all of that is on everywhere. 
And um, it's, it's, I'll tell you what, the rescue stuff, I, I love, 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 love it. Uh, just the, the process of caring for um, the horses that I take in and the animals I take in and the day-to-day -day kind of relationship and connection that's built, especially when they come in and they're very, uh, they're struggling and in poor condition. And um, so to build on that, the, who they are every day and then watch them kind of, you know, come back to life. I, it's, just, it's the best ever. It is so, a beautiful thing. So you guys heard it. If you are an animal lover like I am, check out michelleacres.org or Michelle Acres Horse Rescue. Um, donate. Let's help rehabilitate these beautiful animals that just need some love and extra attention because there is somebody who is passionate um, to bring them back to life. And she's sitting right here today at some of the most important work that she continues to do outside of soccer. She's not one dimensional, everybody. Um, so please help out the one and only Michelle Acres and um, before I let you go, Michelle, um, I just want to ask how in the world is your body doing? Oh my gosh. Freaking, I'm freaking 56. Hope. And, uh, it is painful. It is painful. I'm saying, um, I've had over 30 surgeries just on one knee and, you know, so over how do you even count? You know, I had, I had 25 of those during my career on the one knee. Um, most people would be done after so, three knee surgeries. I just, I was, um, I don't know if there's two ways you can look at it either. Um, I, I, I was incredibly dumb and stupid, or <laughs> I, I was, um, um, creative and brilliant. Um, so I, when I, this right knee of mine, it, it, it was injured in the 95 world cup in the first two minutes of the first game. And, um, and, you know, I blew up my, my PCL MCL. So there's, there was no surgeries for that. So I just had to, I basically, we, I had some, some reconstructions and, and, and except surgeries for that, but most of it was just rehabbing and staying strong. And I, so I just played left footed a lot. I, I used my other foot. Like I, that's, one of the reasons I got so good is because I was injured all the time or often. And so I had to find different ways to, to be, to contribute to my team and, and to stay on that field, um, and make an impact. So anyway, and you still had a rocket with that left foot. I, I yeah, cause I could only kick the balls, <laughs> the ball a certain way, a uh, certain surface of my foot, uh, because of the, those injuries, but now, oh my gosh, I, I'm looking at uh, you know total knee soon uh, at too young of an age, and I need I'll probably need a shoulder reconstruction or a a, a total shoulder soon from a fan who yanked crazy it. crazy fan yeah, that would not kids, happen so. in this um, day and age with all security. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm going to be a bionic woman pretty soon. Well, welcome to the club. <laughs> I had my shoulder replaced at. Did you? How old was I? I was 30, probably 38 or seven. My husband had his knee replaced at 40. So I think you're doing pretty good. Yeah, I'm doing. I should, I, man, I need to uh, stop holding out and get busy on that. It was the best decision of my life and Jeremy's as well. So maybe it will cut down on your day-to-day yeah. -day pain. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'll have to um, talk with you about that later on. 
Awesome. Well, Michelle, gosh, it's such an honor. You know how much I love and respect you. Fine. Thank you. Fine, Hope. Thank so, you for coming so on Hope Solo Speak. <laughs> All right. Hey, happy Thanksgiving. Thanks. You too, Michelle. Have a great one. Hope Solo Speaks is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts. Serious XM Podcasts.